0: Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. And after you finish listening, please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. In this episode, we spoke with Dr. Timothy Hinkle, Assistant Professor of Accounting at the Dow College of Business and Economics at Ashland University. In early March, Tim went with two other faculty members and a group of students to Spain and Portugal as part of the International MBA program, spending about nine or ten days learning about a different business environment in Barcelona and Lisbon. While there, unfortunately, some of the students contracted COVID-19. I spoke with Tim about what it was like returning to the United States during the beginning of the pandemic, especially with individuals who had confirmed cases what remote learning looks like for Ashland, how the university plans to bring students and faculty back safely this fall, and much more. Here's what he had to say.
1: Myself and two other faculty members went to Spain and Portugal as part of the International MBA program. Um, And we spent about nine or 10 days there uh, learning about just a different business environment in Barcelona and Lisbon. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we had a handful of students uh, come down with COVID uh, while we were in Europe, and we were some of the first people to come into the state of Ohio with confirmed cases. Uh, so it was a scary, scary time, and the students were terrified. You know, this, there's just a lot of uncertainty surrounding. Uh, you know, how sick you can get, um, how quickly you, know, you can transmit to other people. Um, And so it was altogether terrifying. I was with the students hand in hand as they confronted this. Um, And so now as we move towards, you know, the summer and looking into the fall, that has really helped shape because the dean was with us as well. That has really shaped our, um, you know, our planning towards uh, what to do in the fall in terms of making sure that Uh, Faculty and students are both comfortable in what is still a very scary and uncertain uh, environment and times.
0: And, like you said, that's an incredibly scary experience to be a part of. What was that like to kind of see it firsthand and from the beginning, where I think really in March it was still, at least in the United States, you know, still so unknown?
1: I can tell you that the hardest part by far was trying to. Um, give peace of mind to the students and the families of the students that we were with uh, because there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, There was a travel ban instituted and we didn't know whether or not we'd be able to get back into the country Um, and just everything in general about the uh, about COVID-19 and the coronavirus that's still unknown. Um, I had all my own concerns and issues but Um, those were secondary to just making sure that the students were, um, were calm and collected and able to get through this and that their family members were, were knowing that they were taken care of. Um, that was at the end of each day, I just felt like the plug got pulled out of me because I was providing emotional support in addition to the other faculty that were there. Um, a lot of it was just handholding. A lot of it was, um, you know, uh, admitting that I didn't know anything, which was really hard because, you know, in a situation with uncertainty, you want to be able to provide comfort and support. But if you don't have answers, then you're not fully capable of doing that. So that was honestly the hardest part. The hardest part was just trying to comfort and calm students and their families um, when I didn't even know if we should be comfortable or calm. Right, Um, right. I just needed to be there to get us home safely, and uh, you know, prevent anyone from you know um, going overboard or or you know any psychological issues from happening. And um, so, yeah, that was definitely the toughest part of that.
0: And did you guys have any trouble getting back into the country? Oh,
1: well, that's a good question. Uh, we did get information um, before we returned that uh, United States citizens would be allowed to return. Um, However, we were going to be screened um, in New York City where we arrived for fever and or um, any sort of symptoms of the coronavirus or COVID-19. At that point in time, um, we didn't know what the outcome would be if we did have, or any of us presented fever and or symptoms. Uh, and so there was still some uncertainty there um, so yeah that's uh that was the process of getting back in the states but what what happened was everyone was uh um, scanned for uh whether or not they had a fever, and I think yeah, all of our students wound up getting through that um that screen and we were able to return back to ohio um, and get home so that was uh, breath of fresh air for all of us. Sigh. Oh my relief. Gosh,
0: I'm sure. Just to be home, I imagine was a huge relief.
1: Yes, I was welcomed home by uh 2 weeks of self-isolation <laughs> in our, our family's home in the basement. My wife um was concerned about um, you know, whether or not I was a carrier even though I did, I wasn't symptomatic and so I did get to spend 2 weeks <laughs> By myself in the basement—that's uh, what I was greeted to. But I was still relieved to be home, and more relieved that our, our, we got our students home as well.
0: Absolutely, and so like you mentioned, um, creating a plan to get the students hopefully back on campus in the fall. How did those discussions begin?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So, one of the lovely things about Ashland University um, is that since we're a small school, there's a lot of communication. Um, And, you know, this all starts at the top, there were conversations, you know, involving the president, the provost, and our dean at the College of Business where, you know, it was soliciting information, it was soliciting opinions about how we felt about um, coming back on campus and and going face-to-face, if we felt we could still be effective in our delivery of content, um, whether it be face-to-face with social distancing or online synchronous uh, or online asynchronous. And and so the discussions all started, um, you know, with uh, our, our leadership at Ashland University. Um, personally with me, it was interactions with our dean, Alad Grenot. Um And so it was collaborative. There was a lot of communication between everyone. And so that's what I feel most strongly about is our plan for the fall is not, you know, has not been mandated. Mm-hmm. It was uh, individuals telling us, hey, uh, we decided that we need to do this for, the, well, you know, what's in the best interest of the university, and so carry it out. Whether or not you're comfortable with that uh, or not is is, is ignored. And, and it hasn't been that way at all. Um, in fact, um, the development of our plan is all focused on meeting the concerns of both faculty and the students head on. And so what I mean by that is uh, our plan, you know, things can always change, but our plan is to go face to face. Um, Our students come to Ashland because they want that one-on-one face-to-face education. And we provide that we provide it really well. So that's our goal, assuming there's no changes. However, we recognize that both faculty and students, um, some may not be comfortable yet attending face-to-face classes, even with all the precautions and PPE and cleaning and things that we can do. Um, They may be immunocompromised themselves or have someone they live with or, you know, have close interactions with that's immunocompromised. Or they may just be concerned for themselves about all this uncertainty surrounding the coronavirus and COVID-19, and they just don't wanna be in large, well, I guess not large, but you know, um, in public settings like uh, our College of Business. Um, so what that leads to is that what we are going to do in the fall is um, meet each demand uh, all at once. We're gonna be there face-to-face. And we're also going to be um, holding those lectures synchronous via Zoom or Blackboard Collaborate. And in addition, uh, we're also going to be recording those uh, interactions so that they can be posted to Blackboard, um, which is our LMS, uh, so that any students can go back and rewatch the material so that um, the students who want face-to-face get face-to-face, the students who are not comfortable with that, can um, join via Zoom, or they can also watch it at their own leisure on their own time with the uh, asynchronous um, recordings.
0: So, how would that work with social distancing? Like, say, a whole a whole classroom of students felt comfortable coming into the classroom. Um, is are there certain limits for certain classrooms as far as how many students can be in there?
1: Yes, absolutely, uh, and so. What needs to be done in each room, and actually the process is is already taking place, is that each room, the dimensions of the room have to be um, mapped out uh, so that we can effectively arrange seating so that you know students don't come within six feet of one another. Um, and this is again, thank goodness that I'm at Ashland University because you know our class sizes aren't huge; none of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very small class sizes. And so with many of my classes, we probably could have socially distanced in previous semesters without any problem. Um, and we have plenty of rooms in, our, in the Dow College of Business. Um, but what, what, what literally needs to be done is that each room is mapped out dimensions are mapped out. And then uh, the seats are arranged to follow the guidelines that have been set for us as far as physical distance.
0: Are there any other kind of um, tricky parts of, of bringing everyone back that you still still are working through or there's no really easy answer for any of this, but you're still trying to figure out?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, the biggest obstacle in my mind um, is keeping the product consistent uh, regardless of uh, the modality um, whether it's face-to-face, hybrid, or purely online. Um, For example, if we go face-to-face, you know, I'm not concerned personally. I I feel like I can take enough precautions to make sure that uh, myself and my students are are taken care of uh, when we're face-to-face. So really no issues there. But my concern has more to do with, you know, the students who aren't comfortable uh, and want to attend synchronously or watch the asynchronous videos. Uh, that they're getting the same product, that they're getting the same um, w- benefit for what they're paying for. They're they're paying the same amount of money as a student who's coming face to face, and to give them a similar experience of being able to ask questions as they come up, um, being able to collaborate with their colleagues, um, that's a challenge, and and it and it honestly keeps me up at night now because it's been a challenge for me since we went online in March to um to be efficient with online learning, to deliver a product that I feel confident and comfortable uh with as far as accounting is concerned, because at the end of the day accounting is a demanding career where um the firms in which you work are going to demand that you know what you <laughs> what you uh, say you know you have to know accounting uh tax and financial accounting gap et cetera et cetera. Um, you know, they don't care that there was a pandemic. Uh, you still need to know your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my biggest concern is, is maintaining the product, maintaining the quality of the product, and keeping it similar across formats so that no student feels shortchanged or, um, you know, that they're not getting the same benefits that any other student would get because they all pay the same tuition.
0: So are you hearing similar concerns from students who are kind of concerned about how will my education look when I come back in the fall?
1: Yes. Um, I do have relationships with a lot of um, students at Ashland, and, you know, I'm proud of that. I love it. Uh, I'm still relatively young, so I think they're comfortable talking with me and being honest with me. Many students are uh, skeptical about the delivery of either hybrid or purely online, if it has to go back to that. Um, A lot of students were unhappy with the product, Um, or that's just not their preferred way of learning. They're not effective with sitting and watching a Zoom lecture at home uh, and being all on their own as far as homework and assignments are concerned. Um, So there's a lot of skepticism and so it's on us as faculty to commit the time this summer to um, really diving headfirst into online learning and getting better at it. I mean and honestly before COVID-19 hit and we went online I had a minimal amount of experience teaching online Uh, and um, I was forced to figure out all the details. I was forced to figure out how to make it better And we need to do an even better and more comprehensive job of um, navigating online learning uh, because we don't know what the next six to 12 months is going to hold. And so we have to be prepared. We have to get better. We have to do better by the students to mitigate their concerns and their apprehension with um, online learning or hybrid learning.
0: And that's a great point too. You look at the summer kind of as an opportunity to, um, I imagine a a lot less classes, but still an opportunity to kind of test stuff out, figure out what works, what doesn't when you scale up to all of the students in the
1: fall. Yes, you're you're exactly right. Uh, It's uh, during the summer we have a little bit of time to breathe. We have our research projects, I have my research projects uh, you know, in order to mean, or I'm I'm still untenured at this point, so I'm trying to make tenure and get some research projects going. But we have a lot of flexibility, and now when we don't have to worry about rolling out uh, a new online module on on a Monday and it's Friday afternoon, we have time to breathe. We have time to see what options are available, and you know, run through a pilot, try it out ourselves, see if it's good, see if it works, see if it doesn't, because that builds our confidence with um, those new methods. We you know what works and what doesn't. And I really think that students are, uh, do a great job at recognizing when their professors are confident or maybe not so confident, whether it's in the classroom or online. They can see right away, like, oh, this person doesn't know what he or she's doing, or uh, you know, this guy knows what he's doing, we're, we're gonna be fine. So it gives us time to just get comfortable, confident, um, and also, you know look at different um, options as far as different Lmss, um, learning how to do discussion boards, learning how to do breakout sessions and rooms and things like that. Um, but time is a good thing. time you know it helps us figure out a plan and and um, and have it be a good plan because we if we're really we have to prove it to the students this fall <clears throat> that. We can still teach them effectively, whether it's face-to-face, hybrid, or purely online. We owe it to them. And I know a lot of students feel like oh, this, the product they're getting after we went online isn't as good as what it was face-to-face, so we have a lot to prove this fall.
0: And you've mentioned a couple times, Tim, the benefit of Ashland being smaller, like the opportunity for more face-to-face and, and flexibility. Each school is different, but are you looking to see what other uh, universities and colleges are doing um, to bring students back in the fall that maybe you guys could could do something similar?
1: Well, that's a great piece of advice, actually. <laughs> I want to take that. <laughs> to uh, the people at the top. But uh, I'm not familiar with those discussions, but I would imagine that that's absolutely something that admissions and and our uh, administrative uh, people would be very concerned with. Because right now, um, you know, we're all in a very competitive environment as far as getting students. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And anything we can do is is what we will do. Uh, That's legal, of course. Uh, to To keep our institution going. And that's, and well, it's easy for us to get behind because um, most of us, and certainly myself, are very confident in our school, uh, specifically the College of Business and Economics, uh, the Dow College of Business at Ashland. Um, our product is strong. We have um, the majority, vast majority of our professors are passionate. They, they teach for a reason. They're, um, you know, at a small private school because they want to change lives, they want to make a difference, and so it's just a matter of us getting that message out to students and convincing them of that um, in in order to um, get the demand up at our school, but certainly we would need to be, we'll accept anything as far as guidance for what's effective, what works, and, uh, but that's not something personally I've done, aside from, You know, um, seeing what's happening at Kent State, seeing what's happening at the University of Arizona, um, and where a few of my accounting professor colleagues are, uh, because we're all navigating similar waters. What are you guys doing? (laughs) You know, Um, but uh, some of that, uh, some of the strategies aren't something that we can observe. So, yeah, it's just been a lot of uh, checking through the network and seeing uh, what's been effective.
0: Right, and like you mentioned earlier, like just with the class size, it depends on the way the building is set up. There are so many, I imagine, just like little details that can change things dramatically depending on the building you're in, the campus you're at, the size of the student body, all of that stuff.
1: Absolutely. The planning of, you know, when courses are held, how many days a week, how long are they, uh, you know, what is the capacity of the rooms? That's kind of a challenging thing to do anyway. And so I really feel for the people who are responsible for that uh, during the fall because now it's just been made to be a lot more challenging. But we have to do it. We don't, we don't have a choice. And, um, you know, this is a change. You got to roll with the punches and do the best we can because these students are spending their hard-earned money and in, in, you know, the time to, to come to our school. So we owe it to them. There's no other way to say it.
0: And just by the situation that we're in and our discussion today, a lot of the focus right now is, is on today or is on the very near future to make things work. How do you think though that these changes will impact the current environment we're in will impact education for the long-term future?
1: Well, that's a great question. Um, I do think that um, what the the pandemic has exposed uh, very clearly is that you know the university model needs to adapt. I think that we have needed to adapt for a while to meet the demands of the students. Um, and you know, universities, because of the way they're structured, change usually happens very slowly, and there's not a whole lot of proactive change that's done at universities. Um, and so I think that this has uh, shaken us out of, our, uh, out of our tree in terms of uh, being more proactive and in, in changing the way uh, that we educate in that uh, we have to be adaptive we have, we have to be able to change on the fly um, based on whether or not it's another pandemic, whether it is you know, a, a major change in technology that overhauls you know, everything that, uh, that students expect. Um, things can change rapidly um, based on a number of factors. And I think universities haven't done a great job in the past of adapting quickly to those changes. Um, and so I think that I'm hoping uh, uh, and certainly at Ashland that um, we become more nimble, uh, more quick to change, more quick to adapt in the face of uh, different environmental factors um, so that we can service the students to the best of our ability. We don't want to be a dinosaur, we don't want to die off and you know be replaced by 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 something else and so um, that's my hope, is that long-term, the educational university, college system in the United States changes um, to adapt more quickly to um, student demands, to changes in the environment, changes in the economy, um, Yeah, to just be more adaptive, change more quickly, and meet those student demands.
0: Thank you to Tim for taking the time to speak about Ashland's plans to bring students back this fall. Let me know what you thought of this episode, or if you'd like to be on an episode in the future at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. Thanks for listening.